0: And for a change, I know we've been the two of us uh, back and forth for a few episodes, so we thought we'd bring in some fresh voices and some fresh perspective. With uh, uh, Fahim joining us today, I believe that actually this is episode is this your third time with me or the second time? Second time, uh, Brett, and I yeah, thanks for I'm having like me. Second time,
1: great to see you guys
0: back to episode 90, which is hard to believe, but uh, I think it was almost a year and a half ago, over a year ago for sure, that you're you on the program. Yep. So it, it's great to have you back. And uh, who better to talk about freelance than somebody that made the journey themselves, right, from freelancer to business owner to now helping other freelancers become business owners and can take control of you know, their lives and their businesses. So, so welcome back. It'll be a slightly different conversation than we had last time, but we're, we're super, super excited to have you here. So, Diana, before I I kick it off, maybe Fahim, just a little bit, uh, share with the audience a little bit of, you know, background,
1: what you're doing today, and then we're going to, we'll jump straight into it. What I do today is I I help management consultants, uh, both independent consultants and uh, owners of small boutique firms, basically build a sales and marketing system so they can generate, they can drive revenues um so that's what I do today, and my background is uh, i I've been a management consultant myself. I worked in corporate consulting and and back in 2009 I started a uh, a consulting business focused on strategic planning and business planning. I did that for about ten years and then uh, you know a few a couple of years ago I uh, started helping other management consultants who were great at what they do but uh, were weak at building out a sales pipeline that was predictable. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's me. That may be one of the best and most succinct intros that we've had. So
0: <laughs> kudos to you. On
2: that one. Well, it all started, you know, yeah, no, that, was, that was
0: great. So I'm just curious, right? Cause we talk a lot about making that transition trading time for money and right. If you're not selling, you're delivering, if you're delivering, you're not selling. So how did you manage to turn, you know, a, Freelance start into a ten year business.
1: Yeah, so I had a you know many stops and starts. Uh, you know when I started my business, uh, I want I I started with the intention of uh, of building a business because uh, I came from I, I worked at a, a boutique strategy shop, one of the best uh, strategy shops here in uh, in Toronto. So I knew how that business was run, and I kind of started thinking, you know, you know, with the, with the ambition of uh, of uh, growing a business like that so but then you know very soon when i started uh, i started as a as a, a one-man show of course and then uh, deep in uh, in client engagements uh, like you said it's hard to kind of focus on where the next gig is coming from so i i kind of you know fell into that cycle but then i always uh, wanted to to build a a, a business uh, and, and work work on the business so i had a peer group um, I joined a peer group there's a lot of these you know Toronto's a big city and there's there's lots of groups for entrepreneurs small businesses so uh, I made sure I joined a peer group I made sure I invested uh, a lot in mentorship and coaching and executive coaching business coaching to uh, to learn this stuff because uh, though I'd, I'd come from a business background before I you know I'd, I'd run a manufacturing business before but I've, I'd never run a professional services business before and they're two different types of beasts so i mm-hmm. had to learn how to to run a professional services business so that's uh, you know broadly how i made the transition i essentially got help yeah it makes
0: sense and yeah you're right it is a vastly different business because it's super hard to scale right because of the uniqueness of each of the engagements and, and when you started were you were you super focused on this is the type i want to work to do with the client i want to work with or were you kind of i'll take you know what's coming at me because i know that's one of the biggest things diana and i talk about a lot is right when you're chasing the different work and different clients and all of a sudden you're you're stretched and you're not doing what you like anymore did you did you go through that process or were you one of the rare ones that had it figured
1: out from the beginning this is what i'm going to do and this is who i'm going to work not with. one of the rare ones for sure so you know when i started it's really funny it's true when i started uh, you know i worked in a uh, like i said one of the the best strategy consulting shops here in Toronto. But, uh, you know, some, somewhere at the back of my mind, I knew that I wanted to start a business and I wasn't kind of uh, really enjoying uh, the whole nine to nine, or nine to 11 corporate uh, consulting gig. Great people and everything. But, you know, come, I'd come from a business background and I, I was itching to get back into that. So it was the middle of the great recession, right, smack in the middle of 2008, 2009. And I did a really dumb thing. Uh, I just said, you know, I woke up one day and said, I'm going to quit. So uh, and that week, I quit. Uh, I had no clue what I wanted to do going forward. I knew I wanted to, you know, do something in consulting, but uh, I had I had no clue. And uh, and very soon it hit me that you know it's not a very smart move. Yes, I had few, I had some savings to to keep me going. Uh, I was single back then, you know, not no major no 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 major expenses or, or anything. So that stuff worked in my favor. But then you know, I didn't have a very clear idea of what I wanted to do. I knew what my strengths were, business planning, strategic planning. I've been doing that for a long time and building client relationships. i would learned that uh, through my corporate consulting gig. And I liked working with clients and helping, um, uh, you know, businesses grow. So I knew that, but I, I hadn't, it wasn't all figured out. So what I did was I just reached out to everyone I knew right? I graduated from business school. So I had some, you know, network, I had a, some contacts over there. Uh, I'd worked in corporate consulting for a couple of years. So had some contacts over there, uh, family, friends, neighbors, anyone. So I, I just emailed everyone I knew. And I said, look, this is what I do right now. And, you know, I, I put together, uh, it was a, it was more of a more, more like a resume, like, here's what I can do. And the first... Um, referral that I got was back to my alma, alma mater, University of Western Ontario. They, you know, they ran a small research commercialization department where they helped academics launch their businesses. So, and they were looking for someone who could help with that. And, you know, I was lucky. I got a referral to that uh, unit within the university, uh, and so I learned the director of that unit, the, the department, and I got along really well. And, uh, you know, we did a a couple of gigs. And from there, I learned how the research commercialization departments in universities work. And that became my, you know, my niche. So, you know, I got lucky. But uh, it's important to know that, you know, in the early days, and this is how, like, you guys know this as well. Typically, consulting businesses grow through referrals. And it's a great way to get your business off the ground. Like, Tap into your network. And typically consultants are those that have deep expertise. They've, uh, you know, they've worked in the industry, they've, they've got expertise in a specific field, otherwise, they wouldn't want to become consultants, right? So um, they've got expertise, and they've got experience. So they, they, they have a large network as well, most of them. So it's a great way to start, get a few clients, you know, get your business off the ground. But then as you grow, that becomes an unsustainable strategy, which I'm sure we'll get into, which we'll get into. But, you know, that's my that's my background. And uh, so to answer your question coming all the way back, Brett, uh, I did not have it all figured out at all.
2: It's funny how so few people it feels like lately, like people feel like they want to hit the ground running and they're almost afraid of tapping into their network. Uh, but the most successful people start off that way. How else are you supposed to get the, the momentum going so that you can free that up? But yeah, where are you come in, Fahim, is so important because those of us who did that, and once the well runs dry, it's like, oh shit, pardon me, but oh shit, what do I do now? <laughs> and it's so critical. And, and we've been talking a lot about uh, business development for freelancers lately too. So it's just a perfect time. I'll have. tell you how to get
1: the momentum going, Diana. Just just open up your bank account every morning and you know make that a ritual. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's a scary sight. You're used to getting a it, paycheck, right? Like yeah. uh, you're used to getting a paycheck on the first of every month. And you know that's like, uh, you take it for granted. But once you yeah. go over to the other side, that's not happening. You've got expenses, but... Your, your revenue is unpredictable. So that, that, that's a motivator.
2: Yeah. And it's hard too, because without the, the underlying strategy in place, you don't want to take on clients out of fear either, because then you end up working with clients who make you unhappy or who aren't fulfilling or who suck the life out of you and pay you the least amount. Like there's so many pitfalls that can come from lacking a strategy that uh, can not only slow your growth, but could potentially kill your freelance business before it ever really achieves what, it, what you set out. 100%. For.
1: But I also think that, you know, you need to go through that phase of working with the bad clients and working with, you know, uh, the yeah. bad projects and engagements to, to really understand what makes you tick and what you like and what you don't like. So it's kind of like paying your dues. I'm sure both of you have gone through that as well. Uh, and if you don't go through it, then you'll never know what you like and what you don't like. So,
2: yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I guess maybe the the caveat then is just don't take on too many of those at yes.
1: once. <laughs>
0: Until you figure it out, yeah. Because you know, I, I was telling Diana before that at the end of last year, I had four different engagements, and there were four very different engagements, right? And then at that point, I realized, all right, here's what I really like to do, and here's what I really don't like to do anymore. And that helped. But to your point, until I actually got back in was one on one with these accounts and knowing what each of the days was going to look like, or in some cases, not knowing what the day was going to look like, helped me really focus on where I I wanted to go. So, yeah, it's definitely that balance. And I do tell people if you can't sell within your network, this business probably isn't going to go because you can't sell it to the people you know. It's going to be really hard to get it to people that, that you don't know.
1: How did so. you, uh, yeah, how, how did you guys, like, I know, Brett, you said that, you know, you you had four projects or four engagements and you figured out, like, okay, what you liked and what you didn't like. Um, so what about you, Diana? How did you figure out, like, I know you're, you've are you been doing marketing consulting for a long time. Like, what, what? Uh, how did you figure out what you really like to do and what you excel at?
2: Well, I'd come from an agency environment where I was managing accounts devising strategy but i was an accidental marketer who was an english major and always wanted to be mm-hmm. a writer and and to be honest i mean i started out in 2011 so not far behind you and i just wanted to work for myself i really wasn't clear on what i wanted and that evolved and changed as my freelance business grew, but also as my life changed, like you, I was single and then I was married and now I have a daughter. And so it isn't even really until recently that I became super clear on what I wanted. And, and I think that's okay too, to evolve and grow, but, um, yeah, it was mostly just from doing it all for so long Mm. (laughs) and then realizing like, eh. and, and also like you too, like you wanted to oversee the business, not necessarily do the business all the time. And and so understanding that maybe the doing isn't so much for me. Like I I like to teach. I like working with business owners as well. And I've had the opportunity to do that in corporate jobs to the point where, you know, so it's like finding that ground and it's a lot of doing and testing to your point. Like sometimes you have to earn your, your chops. How are you going to know what you don't like? unless you try it yeah
1: lots of experimentation right along the way uh, take on projects sometimes you yeah, know, sometimes you you, you got to take on projects out of des- desperation I've done it a lot right uh, uh, two months without uh, gigs uh, it's not predictable so yeah, yeah just something comes along your way just do it I've got clients off of Craigslist just you know posting in the small business ads wow. <laughs> and one of them one of them turned out to be like a two hundred thousand dollar per year gig wow. off of Craigslist you never know right so
2: off of craigslist that's crazy wow
0: fascinating and and again i think this is you had a perfect segue into where we kind of want to go next which is your current business right so the consulting driving building growing that business what was the uh the pivot point or that inflection point when you said you know what i can actually i can add more value if i help other consultants grow their businesses how how did that how did that happen
1: yeah so what happened with the with my consulting business is was the, the one that i started is uh, you know it, it was a done for you business we had a team and you know i had like 60 percent of my time was actually doing the work right um and 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 what happens in management consulting like you guys know is that you know you get hired a lot of the times for your skills right they want you on the projects and uh and so on and so forth i was okay with that and I was, I was okay with that model, but what I did not want to do is grow the business beyond a certain point. Like we had about uh, fifteen associates on the team when I made the made the shift, and I realized, you know, obviously that you know if you want to grow this kind of model, you've got to you know manage a lot of people and grow grow people, right? So it's a realization that came to me along the way that that's not the kind of scale that I want to see. So. I ended up kind of, uh, you know, we had I had a a partner, so I ended up, you know, uh, giving him that portion of the business, and that that still is is on. Like, you know, it's it's like selling your book of business. So I I did that for that firm, and then you know, along the way, I kept hearing a lot from other management consultants and business consultants who want to know how to grow a sales pipeline, right? Like independent consultants, and also owners of small firms with small teams, let's say five, five people, 10 people. And I'd done that before, for the last, uh, you know, 10 years before I made the switch. So I realized that, you know, this is a good um, segue for me, because uh, um, I've got the expertise, I've done this before I've been, you know, in uh, have walked a mile in their shoes. And I'm also using marketing knowledge that I have gained along the way of how to build a pipeline for a professional services slash or consulting company, right? So it really fit the bill. And the the most interesting part for me is that this uh, business that I do right now, where I train consultants and I coach consultants, can be scaled using technology and not adding more bodies to the business. So. For example, right now, what I do, what I have is I have, I have an online portal, I have clients over there, all my lessons are recorded by video, and we do calls once a week. I do, I do some one-on-one calls as well, right? So uh, it's a one-to-many business, as you mentioned uh, earlier on. Uh, so that can scale without me having to add too many people. A lot of the scaling bit is replicated using media, right? The videos, like it's, it's just like how a software company scales, right? The software, software business are, are really profitable because there's no marginal cost involved in selling one more unit. Once the software is made, you can sell as many units. Same thing happens with media as well. When I say media, I'm talking about, you know, my lessons and my videos that I record. Once I record those lessons, uh, for a long time, I don't have to create more. I mean, obviously, obviously you gotta update, update uh, your lessons and everything, but it's not done for you. You don't have to be there in order for, to, to generate revenue. So that scales better than scaling a, uh, a professional services firm where you gotta keep adding more people. Now, there's nothing wrong with a former, like scaling a professional services firm. People, if they're interested in it, then obviously do it. But uh, it's just a personal choice that I made. And, uh, and plus, you know, obviously at the at the time when i made the switch uh you know i was married by then uh, i had my first uh, first child so i needed more free time as well right so this business affords me yeah. it, it gives me that time and that flexibility as well and plus there's no there's, there's not a not a lot of travel so it, it worked out
2: oh yeah i think you're while well, there's nothing inherently right or wrong about either structure i think that there is a general trend lately of people saying i can earn the same money Significantly more, or honestly less, but put less of me in and have more of the life that I want to craft if I'm doing that one to many format. And so I think you're seeing a pretty big push, particularly among not that I want to speak for all of us, like people our age who have more of that experience doing. Like we really have built up the expertise where now it's, um, <laughs> this is going to sound crass, but where now we can like cash in and leverage that in a different way without. That investment of time and energy that comes with the traditional structure—again, nothing wrong with that—but when we change and grow and evolve, that you know, and so yeah, it seems like there's a kind of movement toward that, and in, in a great way. Yeah, hundred
1: percent. And it's also, you know, it's enabled by the t- technology that we have today. It's uh, fairly easy to get started. It's fairly easy to kind of get your business off the ground, land newer clients, have a system in place and so on and so forth to kind of uh, execute this type of, of, of business model. So, and yes, if you've got the expertise and if you like to teach, yeah, you know, you know, you said Diana, you like to teach. I love to teach as well. Like what I'm doing right now, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of a teacher. So I, I look at myself as a, as a, as a professor at a university and I have students and I teach them how to do certain things. And of course I keep them accountable as well. There's uh, all that uh, involved, but it's more of a a teaching gig than hard consulting. I'm just using my know-how and expertise as as a man as a former management consultant to to help my clients uh, achieve their objectives.
0: Yeah, and I think just to to go back because what you said a little bit ago i think it's important to clarify so you don't have to be in consulting it's any kind of freelance business when you think about you know the the done for you model the done with you or the support you right and then that ties directly into the one-to-one or one-to-many so when you're thinking about your business right because i do think that's where most of us get caught or burned out is the done for you Mm -hmm. business (laughs) and it really is trading time for money and as you start to think about what no i don't care what what business you're in, how do you start to transition that? If you'd like to do the the done for you and you like the direct working with clients, figure out how to get the rest of this stuff out of your business, right? So you can focus all your time, like you, you and I talked, Diana, about you and writing. You love to write, but it's just you just don't have the time to do it. So how is there a way you could still do it by, by doing it? So... My long-winded point to this is think about the model that you want, and you can be very intentional about the, the done for you, done with you, or support you and think about the, the audience. And that's exactly what I've done with my business Has gone from last year was almost done for you to almost all the way to the other end now to support you, right, with more of the teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're kind of universal in that the, the way we want to go with it. And I just think there's more people to help. It's repeatable. Right, It's leveraging the expertise. But I guess my broader point back to the audience is no matter what your business is, as you're thinking about this, keep that in mind, right? So you don't just be intentional about where you want to go. And that can, can definitely change over time.
2: Yeah. And even a hybrid model too, to help keep you fresh and on top of things to make you a better teacher and coach that can work too. Like there really aren't any hard and fast rules. All of us are just talking about what works for us and maybe that doesn't work for you, but hopefully we can help you ask the right questions and do the right exercises to figure that out. Yeah.
1: Just one one more point. Like, you know, I work with a lot of consultants, but the, the consultants that I work with, they're, they're hardcore management consultants. They don't want the other business model. They have and you know a vision in their mind. They want to work with organizations. They want to work with uh, large organizations or mid-sized organizations with you know five thousand or ten thousand employees. And they know that there's an opportunity to change or to create that meaningful impact. And of course, cash in and make make a lot of money as well. But for those folks, you know, there's no option. Like they can't do a one-to-many. Like when a, when you get a consulting engagement from a large company or even a mid-sized company, they want you there and they want the team there now it's like okay it's uh, it's more remote and everything, but uh, travel is back, and you know if, if that's what you want, if that's the kind of business you want to build then if that and that's the kind of impact you want to make then you you've got to look at the traditional professional services services model
0: yeah, and would you advise people? Off off of that, too. If you're the owner, right, or the freelancer, and this is the type of work, this so you're maybe looking for support with the admin or the billing or the scheduling or somewhere else so you can gain some of that time back outside of the actual delivery work. Or is that too uncomfortable for most of these folks to give up as well, right? I'm just looking, is there an angle for them to even free up more time?
1: oh 100% like uh, they everyone gets it everyone's busy and they want to know how to leverage their time and you know drive revenues the good thing about uh, consulting uh, is that it can be really profitable uh, once you have your strategy right so they've got the uh, the wherewithal to uh, to invest but the problem is that most of the folks that I work with they don't know what to do and they don't have the time Right. So that's where I come in and you know, talk about, OK, here's the strategy, here's, here's, how you, here's how you can buy back your own time. And here's here are the things that you, you need to be doing, uh, both from a marketing perspective, from an admin perspective, from a sales perspective, in order for you to, to drive revenues and uh, meet your objectives. So everyone's open to it. People are open to it, but they want to know, OK, what do I do?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction too, because there's a lot of fluff out there that's packaged and presented in a way that seems meaningful. But at the end of the day, a lot of us just want to cut through the BS. It's like, just tell me what I need to do. And that's hard. Those teachers like you who can kind of cut through that and get to the heart of it. And this is something that Brett and I, not to like toot our own horn, that we aspire to here on this show too, though, really, is like to give people something they can really use. Like it's one thing to get rah-rah and boost people up, but it's another to help them with tangible things they can use to put food on the table and money in their bank accounts, you know? Because with with the ease of doing the model that we do and even consulting that makes it easier to, or harder to wade through the noise as well and discern who actually has value to add to my business.
1: Yeah, you, you need to you need to kind of differentiate yourself uh, and, and you can stand out by offering actionable advice. Like what can I, every conversation I have with a client, my metric is that, have I given the client uh, or this individual uh, something that they can do today, right after the call, right after our, our meeting? So you want to make sure that you, provide them with, with some action actionable, meaningful insights that they can kind of implement immediately. Because what happens in our world, uh, this is what I've been realizing as well, that everyone's busy. So they'll come to the calls, they'll watch the lessons, the videos, etc. But once that's over, life happens, right? And you're going to go back into uh, your, your way of dealing with the day. What I've also realized is that, you know, with this category of people, uh, consulting business owners that I work with, I I said two things earlier, right? I said they don't know what to do and they don't have the time. But the second thing, the time piece is is more important. It's easy to kind of show them what needs to be done, right? That is the easy part. But to get them to change the way they work and do things in a way that is far more efficient, in a way that will give them a bigger bang for their buck and a a, bigger return on investment, that is hard because... They come with a set of biases, they come with a set of habits, they come with a set of uh, you know, traditional ways of thinking. So to get them to manage their time and, and prioritize what they need to prioritize uh, and eliminate what they need to eliminate, that becomes uh, more of a challenge. So I spend a lot of time on that because if that's fixed, then everything else gets fixed. I mean, it's easy to teach the technical stuff. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Like eight or nine years ago, I was brought into this local company here in Buffalo. So I'm not far from you. I feel like we've never talked about that before, but um, uh, and they paid me multiple five figures to come in for a, a day and teach them how to manage their own social media. And I did. I went in depth. They gave them all these resources and they were very into it and they never took action on any of it. And, and it's it's really not their fault. And that's really something that I should have understood. But I was I was younger then and I should have prepared them for what it would take to really implement because they they came out of that knowing what to do. Absolutely. But running a business, there's so many other things screaming at you for your attention. It's really hard to bring that. Yeah, it's a, it's,
1: a, it's a good distinction between what, train, what I feel uh, the, the definition of, of training versus coaching is. Training is skills transfer, yes. eh? transferring skills. But coaching is teaching them how to do it. That's the, the important distinction that I try to bring in. Uh, I don't want to be yeah. just a trainer and just show them skills and give them some videos. I want to make sure that you, know, you have a meaningful shift in the way you work and know how to do the work so that tomorrow you can go ahead and, and do it yourselves um, and get those results. Because if they don't, if they don't get results, yep. then, you know, my business doesn't work as well. Right? <laughs>
2: exactly. i got to
1: make sure that yeah. I, I no. t- show them how
0: to get results. Yeah. Now I know we're starting Actually, to run a little low on time, but Fahim is the content King. I mean, if you're not following him, which you may or may not be on LinkedIn for sure, make sure you follow him because he walks the walk, talks the talk about adding value. Is it every day? So can you share with us a little bit your ideas on the content strategy and, and how, that's, how that's paid off for you?
1: Yeah, so what I do is uh, I call this the anchor content strategy. And this is what I teach uh, consultants as well, because uh, for those who are strapped for time, you don't want to be creating um, new pieces of content all the time. So what i advise is that you ha- you need to have some kind of anchor where you create a long form piece of content either an online training that you do a video training or you do a podcast or you if you don't like uh, the audiovisual medium you can even do a long form newsletter so those uh, pieces of content become your anchor uh, you can do them once every 2 weeks or, or once a week if you want uh, and then you kind of break down ideas from, from those long form pieces of content and make them into micro micro content. So so what I do is I do a bi-weekly session called the Consulting Growth Hour, where I uh, talk about a specific topic about consulting growth to a bunch of consultants. And that becomes my anchor piece of content. I give that. It's a 60 it's a minute session. Uh, once I'm done with that, I um, send it off to my team. Uh, they'll break it up into small, smaller pieces of content. Make you know videos, uh, and also give me pointers as to you know what can be written as uh, as text posts as well. So I get micro content from that larger piece of content, and that kind of flows. So the videos become text posts. The text posts become you know the uh, the document posts on LinkedIn that I do a lot, where you know there are carousals. But all of those carousals are. Uh, not original content. They're, they're from the anchor content or they're from a text post. So the other important thing is that you got to keep, uh, you can you can recycle content as well. So content that I've written three months or posted three months before, I just copy, paste and, and post it again. Nobody remembers, right? How can you remember something that right. was written like uh, three months ago? Uh, and plus new people are, adding, are joining my network as well. So they haven't seen the old content. So you, you think that, uh, you know, I'm the content king, but I'm not, right? <laughs> I just recycle a lot of content that's and I repurpose a lot of content. And, and the funny thing is that, you know, a lot of people, I mean, you forget, right? You can't, expect, you can't be expected to remember everything that somebody posts. So it's also good reinforcement as well. Sure. I know we're strapped for time, but I want to uh, talk about this other, uh, this idea that's very close to my heart. It's, uh, it's uh, about time blocking one day of the week to work on your business Uh, i keep saying this a lot like my day is friday Um, i work only on my business on fridays i don't take on any client work on friday i've been doing this for years i've been doing this for like the last like eight or nine years and it's it's worked even in my traditional management consulting practice um because one of my coaches back then you know made me do this and it took me i was so resistant i had so much resistance it took me like one whole year to make that switch because i was so scared that okay if i block off one whole day you know my clients are going to be upset but nothing of that of that sort happened and it kind of changed my business because once you dedicate that that time for your business then you can make sure that you are more consistent you show up the way you want to show up you are you give you know better instructions to your team and more and more, most importantly, you, you know, you're relaxed once that session is done. Like I do it on Fridays, and a very relaxed weekend. Otherwise, I'll be stressing about you know what's going to happen on Monday morning. But all that stuff is taken care of on on the on the Friday itself, right? And on Monday mornings, I can start thinking about my clients and thinking about you know uh, various you know who's who's behind, who needs help, you know, on all, all that stuff. So figuring out your the way your week is run. And, and winning that week is, is important. And, and one way to do that is to, to block off that one day, or if you can't do one day, start with at least a half a day and work on nothing but your business. That's, that's how you can become more consistent in, in content, in, in delivery, and in you know all aspects of the business.
2: I love that so much. And I also love that you don't then have any like, nobody likes Friday meetings, especially Friday afternoon meetings. So that gives you that like mental knowledge and that relaxation that comes with knowing that none of the stuff that you don't really love doing is going to come up on a Friday, you know, like seriously, there's like a mental gift in there. Exactly. And that's
1: what I realized. I I realized, uh, you know, back then that, you know, my Fridays are pretty light. Right, uh, no clients didn't want to meet on Fridays. Uh, you just did, obviously there's the odd one that you used to meet on Fridays, but you know back then I, d- I used to do a podcast, and so I scheduled all my podcasts only on Fridays. All my podcasts were done on on Fridays. All my writing was done on Fridays. All my outreaches and follow ups were done on Fridays. So that day was only about the business, and it felt good. And and in, here's here's the most amazing thing: my none of not one of my clients complained that you're not available, right? Because my calendar wasn't even open. So I resisted the, the, the whole idea, thinking that my clients would, we, would be upset, but you know, nobody uh, had a problem with it.
0: Yeah, such good advice. And I, I did take up the time blocking, but I block three hours every morning. I may have to look at experimenting with the full day, because you're right, I think that would be so helpful to know that that's it. This is all I'm doing on Friday, I can focus on the business. It takes any of the resist. I mean, other than the occasional emergency if that comes up. But no, I think I may have to test that. So next
1: time you come out to email, you can say, Did you do it? Absolutely. And you know,
2: hold them to
0: the
1: fire. Yeah. Um, and not everybody does, you know, the, the clients I work with, not everybody can do the entire day. Some of them do a couple of hours every day. That works for them. So whatever works for you, but make sure that you have, you dedicate that time for the business. Dedicate.
2: Yeah. And 100%. I would say, too, maybe it's probably a good idea to know at least some of the top priorities, too, so that it doesn't become like wasteful rabbit hole stuff like sc- dooms scrolling on the Internet or whatever, you know, because uh, it's so easy for time to get away. Yeah. Like have at least a yeah. plan on a weekly or monthly basis so that you kind of know, and you could just start banging stuff out. Cause that feels so good. Doesn't it when you have those things, you just bang it all out. Yes.
1: Yeah. You don't want to be, you don't want to time block two hours and then spend the first hour figuring out what you want to do for the next, the next hour. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: Right. And I would encourage folks to go back and listen to episode
0: 90 because that was a ton of value and he, he preaches it and he, he gave it on that episode. we, we went deep into sales and marketing and how to, how you can use it in your own businesses. So much more of a tactical episode. So if you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to that, or obviously start to follow Fahim on his social channels and you will not be uh, disappointed. So Diana, Fahim, any any closing thoughts or anything you think we should wrap with?
2: I would just ask Fahim to share uh, maybe his URLs, uh, the top ones. I would recommend LinkedIn because that's where I met Fahim probably Three or four years ago, at least. Yeah,
1: that's LinkedIn is my predominant channel. I've I've been experimenting with the others, but uh, you know that's the that's the only social channel that I would recommend that you connect with me.
0: All right, thanks again. We'll talk to everybody uh, next week. Take care. Cheers.